Welcome back to Customers Who Click. Today, we're kind of delving into two topics that might seem quite different initially, but are actually very closely linked and will probably become even more so over the next year or so. And those topics are affiliate marketing and influencer marketing. Today, I'm joined by Arlen Robinson, the founder of Omnistar Affiliate Software. He's been in the space about 20 years, so really knows his stuff. He's seen all the change over the last few years. And we'll explain a bit today about how to deal with the upcoming changes to cookies. Arlen also hosts the e-commerce marketing podcast, which uh, I was a guest on earlier this year. But let's get Arlen on now to dive into affiliates and influencers. Arlen, thanks for joining me today. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Do you want to just introduce yourself really quickly, a bit of your background, what you've been up to? Sure, not a problem. Thank you, Will, for having me. I I really appreciate the opportunity and and talking to your your listeners and your audience. Um, I am Arlen Robinson. I'm actually a co-founder of OSI Affiliate Software. We are an affiliate software platform for businesses uh, that is a viable solution for e-commerce businesses, service-based businesses, and and literally any any business that is looking to create their own affiliate or referral programs. Um, Got a kind of a, I'll make a a long story short, we've been in business for a long time, actually. Uh, We've been going on 21 years now, believe it or not, in business. So I'm I'm kind of a veteran or dinosaur in the game, if you want to call one of the two. Um, you take your pick. But um, we started in the year 2000 as a full-service web development agency, creating custom web-based applications, custom web solutions, websites, you name it, we did it for several years. And about five or so years into the business, we decided to pivot because we saw that there was a need for a lot of web functionality. Uh, you know, this is kind of the early days of the internet. And so people were looking to do a lot more things. You know, e-commerce was growing. People were looking to do kind of unique things with shopping carts. And so we created about five different web solutions at that time. Our affiliate software was one of them, actually. And so we had about, uh, you know, five solutions running strong for several years. And then we decided to pivot again because we really saw that our affiliate software was taking off. And at that time, maintaining all of those other solutions was a quite a task. You know, it was really tough to make sure each of those products, those web products were the best that they could be. So we yep. went all in on the affiliate software. We closeted uh, the other solutions and uh, really the rest is history. We've been you know, going strong with that ever since. Um, other than the OSI affiliate business and of, at this day, these days, uh, my role is more uh, business development. Part, forming partnership relationships. And I also host a podcast, which you were on as well. And we appreciate you joining our podcast, yeah. Will, which is an e-commerce marketing podcast where we interview experts that talk about a specific e-commerce marketing strategy. And um, yeah, that's uh, that's a little bit about myself, my little two cents and uh, the quick and dirty, I guess, of, uh, yeah. of who I am. Awesome. Oh, sounds really good. Sounds like you had a pretty good, uh, pretty interesting journey. So um, yeah, I mean, affiliate marketing, that's, that's kind of what we're here for today. Um, yeah. Do you want to just tell us, explain affiliate marketing to us, right? I think I would assume a lot of my listeners, uh, a lot of the listeners know affiliate marketing, but it'd be good to hear from you. How do you kind of position it and explain it? Okay, great. Well, I'll definitely explain and define affiliate marketing, but I'll also talk a little bit about referral marketing because sometimes people use those terms interchangeably, but they are a little bit different. And I want to kind of lay the groundwork for what the difference is. But affiliate marketing is is, is quite simply 
when you get uh, someone to promote your products and services uh, to a wider audience, to a network of people that they have access to for an incentive. That incentive is typically a commission or percentage of an order total, a fixed amount, or whatever you agree upon. These affiliates are typically people that have never used your software. Most of the time they may have, or no, excuse me, never used your products or services. And um, they're familiar with your brand, but they're looking to promote you, you know, so that they can earn an incentive. And that, that's really what affiliate program is and an affiliate marketing is. And these days it is really huge. Brands are really leveraging the reach that affiliates have, as well as influencers. A lot of times uh, that term kind of gets lumped into this as well. And I like to think of influencers really as almost the affiliates of today. Uh, you know, that term was was coined uh, early in the 2000s. Uh, actually, I think uh, some people uh, equated back to uh, Paris Hilton, the, the socialite here in the US, <laughs> yep. that uh, is uh, one of the heirs of the, the Hilton Hotel um, group here. And um, she thinks of herself as one of the original influencers. And, and really what they are is people that not necessarily somebody at her level or her status uh, promoting products on behalf of a brand and getting an incentive. But really anyone that has any following is really an influencer, anybody that has people that listen to them. So you and I are followers, all of or excuse me, you and I are influencers, everyone listening to this podcasts are influencers in their own respect because they have followers across the social networks, friends and families, colleagues and everything. And so those are influencers. And so that's really what affiliate marketing is. Um, referral marketing is, like I said, sometimes it gets lumped in with affiliate marketing, but it is distinctly different. Well, referral program and referral marketing is actually when you get your customers to refer typically people that they know to your particular product or services and that you use, you know, usually of course for an incentive. Now the incentive usually with the referral program is usually a little bit different with the referral program. What's usually customary and recommended is that you would reward these customers with uh, discounts towards future products or further products. Uh, because what you're trying to do is get these customers to, you know, stay within your ecosystem, continue to buy from you. And you're incentivizing them for doing that, giving them discounts, giving them free product if they refer, uh, you know, people that they know to your brand. And so that's that's really the difference between affiliate referral marketing. Yeah, I think with, with referral marketing, really, you look at looking at someone driving one, maybe two other people. If, if you're lucky, maybe up to kind of five. Um, right, correct. The benefit to you is you get a new customer. But the benefit to that person is that they're going to get a discount or maybe an exclusive product or something. It's some sort of reward from your business, um, but related to your products. Whereas affiliate marketing is pretty much uh, similar, but we're going to give you cash for every person you send to us. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's really the main thing is that cash is, is the primary incentive that's used for affiliate marketing. Yeah. Cool. So... um. I suppose that leads quite well into the next question then, which is uh, what, what sort of misconceptions do you see around uh, affiliate marketing? I think one one thing that would come to mind for me is that affiliate marketing is very much uh, voucher discount coupon focused, right? And And those are the main ways of driving it. Or you've got kind of any sort of 
blogger or someone can sign up to an affiliate network, put some links on their posts, and they might drive a sale or two every month. Um, but those are the, those are the two kind of big ones that stand out to me. Gotcha, gotcha. And it, it, it's def, that's really kind of simplifying. A lot of people think when you hear affiliate marketing, uh, that's kind of what you think about, but it, it is much more than that. Yeah, that, that is an aspect of it where, you know, uh, there's these coupon vouchers and sites and people that, uh, you know, can refer others, of course, for an incentive. And so that's, that's definitely an, an aspect of it. There's these bloggers, uh, all of these affiliate networks, and, and all of those are, are kind of part of this whole pie, if you will. But affiliate marketing these days is really, I think it really is a bit different because it's really exploded because of really not only all of these social networks that have given people and anyone really in our world an avenue to expose themselves and what they like to a greater audience. And that's really why affiliate marketing has really taken on a kind of a whole new life in this this world of of you know social media uh, because it's a little bit different. And so what we see today is that many brands, even larger brands, are really you know seeing this and they're latching themselves on and creating relationships with key people that have a particular following that's a certain demographic. Um, you know, not not all of these relationships are with, you know, the celebrities, the entertainers, the athletes and, and to that level. I mean, we we all have major brands that will even attach themselves to people you probably have never even heard of. But they have a niche following that has a core of people that are great potential customers of that particular brand. And so I think that's really, really where it's at and really why it's really exploded over these past few years and and kind of um, where I see um, the value in it. Yeah. And I think you see a lot of um, like comparison websites as well. Um, Those get used a lot. I mean, when I I used to work in gambling for a bit and um, comparison websites are, are huge because people don't tend to look at the voucher websites so much for gambling uh, for, for gambling offers, even though everyone is looking for a gambling offer when they sign up, right. but they tend to go to the comparison websites where, yeah, there might be a little bit of difference in, in the offers that are given, but actually what they're looking for is, uh, this site has a good payout policy. This site is highly reviewed. This site's got games from, uh, these, uh, what they call, uh, these game suppliers. On their side, it's those things that make make people say, "Yeah, okay, I, this is the one I'm gonna I'm gonna go check out today." Yeah, the savvy affiliates these days will definitely, and we're seeing a lot more of these comparison sites because more of these savvy affiliates will will go through and you know create these comparison sites just because you know their focus then is optimizing that site for search engines for um, you know people that are you know, looking for these types of things. And then they're spending a lot of effort on, you know, just getting the traffic to these comparison sites. And of course, they're affiliates of all of these different brands that are in the comparison matrix. Uh, and, um, you know, that that's really how a, a lot of these affiliates are, are grown. And then if you're looking at it from the other end of it, if you're looking at it from the a, a brand's point of view, um, what we see a lot these days in, um, 
when Google is whenever you're searching for anything, Google, at least for the past few years, has tended to uh, give kind of preferential treatment to a lot of these blog articles and, and comparison sites where they're like, uh, I guess you could say kind of list, considered list posts, where you're going to see uh, the top 20 uh, wireless headphones of 2021. Yeah. Um, those types of things. I mean, I, I, well, when I was looking for these, these are the uh, Sony MX4s. Um, really great. I went through, but I, I went through a couple of sites which okay. were, yeah, like top 10 headphones for 2021. Uh, right, right. One was probably 2020 still. Um, but I also ended up speaking to friends about them um, to get convinced because you look on these sites and everything kind of looks the same. You know, they're, right. uh, they, they, they're never going to, I mean, obviously the article's top 10, but there's, yep. I, I guess, never anything that says if you're using it for this purpose, that's that's probably what was missing. If you if you want head, headphones for this purpose, it's these these ones are the best. If you want it for this purpose, it's these for the best. If you're looking to spend this amount, it's these. If you're on a budget under 150 quid or something, it's these ones, which help you kind of break down those categories and say, cool, that's the product. Um, so I think that's what I was missing. But the um, yeah, the other question I was going to ask was, when it comes to consumers, you know. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys heard about it, but um, I don't know what happened over there, but we've got sites called booking.com. I think you've got booking.com, haven't you? Yeah. Like, and, yeah, that's, that's here in the US. Um, hotels.com uh, and, and a few other sites like that. I think there was, there was a bit of an investigation into uh, their listings, right? So when, when you did a search uh, and, a, and a few other tactics, you know, things like X amount of people are looking at this page, uh, at, this, at this room. And, there were, and, it, and it came out that obviously uh, there was a lot of payments involved and you can, you can pay to be at the top of the listings and, and all this sort of thing. So from, I guess, a similar point of view then with those comparison websites, do you think there's the risk that, you know, maybe a lot of people will be thinking, can I actually trust, can I actually trust this review or are they just there because this brand's paid the most to be on that page? Very good question. A good point as well. It's, you know, it's a, it's a fine line and it really just depends on that customer and how savvy they are. Um, you know, you know, you and I have been in the industry for a while. We kind of know the game. We know the ins and outs and we know that the majority of those posts, the comparison sites, the list posts are are not necessarily a true, and the order of them is not necessarily, you know, a true uh, comprehensive, you know, kind of report based on, you know, real research. There, of course, are some sites that, you know, pride themselves on really doing the due diligence, um, trying products, trying services, giving you their own opinions and including videos along with it, how-to videos, all that type of stuff. So there are definitely sites that are out there where, you know, it's, it's backed by, you know, a whole editorial team that goes through and reviews these things. So there are some like that, but yeah, they're definitely uh, out there on the web. There are a lot where, you know, there, there are just, there are affiliates out there that are just, um, you know, uh, putting out these posts, uh, trying to get traffic, you know, maybe the one at the top is one that's paid a sponsored listing fee. And um, the, unfortunately, well, the average um, average person looking online, 
I would say it's probably not really aware of that or, you know, more, more and more people are savvy now, are more savvy at these days. And I think are picking up on that. But, um, you know, there, there's still some people thinking that they're, they're really totally legit. Yeah. And I suppose this is me just uh, thinking about how, how brands' websites might be doing it. But, you know, in order to put that list up, all you've really got to do is look at a more legit site, uh, see what they've put up, and then just kind of copy the article. Um, right, sure. and, and, but maybe it's really bad. I just shouldn't even be, uh, hypothesizing this, but, um, basically looking at the commission structures on those products and saying, well, actually we're going to put this one top because it gets us more money and, yeah, and tweak yeah. tweaking the review to, to make that one seem the, to seem the better product. Um, yeah. but those obviously, yeah, this is me being quite pessimistic, I suppose, and, uh, assuming the worst. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I think you know, really, all just comes down to the only reason these types of sites exist and people are doing it is because you know Google Google allows it. Google ranks these sites, and um, you know, it's not necessarily anything wrong with it per se, uh, because it, it it is exposing these brands. But it's just it just comes down to the authentic authenticity authenticity of the. Uh, you know, the placement of these lists, these sites and these companies. And, you know, was there really true research done and when these articles and, and these posts were created? So that's uh, kind of what it what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so right back to the kind of the, the actual e-commerce brand side, I suppose. Um, what what can brands be doing to make sure their affiliate program is is strong? What's, what are some of the key things you, you need to be doing? Well, the key thing that I see is once you start and launch a, an affiliate program, one mistake, common mistake that I see a lot of brands, you know, uh, calling it, kind of making the mistake is that they just launch it and, you know, kind of expect affiliates to just come and join it and really don't do any promotion or anything behind it. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it does take some legwork, just like anything, as we know these days, anything that you want to have a success, you got to put the work in behind it. So you can't just launch an affiliate program and then just expect affiliates to, to find it. What you do have to do is have a, a pretty clear strategy of finding affiliates. And it can be done a number of different ways. Um, you know, the, the beauty of it, uh, of the world that we're in right now is that everything is available online as far as, you know, the data and the, the, the ability to be able to contact people. So one of the things that I would say is before getting started and approaching affiliates is really, you know, looking at what your your corporate, your brand mission is, who is your average customer, what's that ideal customer avatar, what does your typical customer look like, and then what are the overall values of your particular brand. And then from there, uh, you know, trying to align yourself with affiliates that have people uh, in their network that match that particular customer demographic. And they also are in line with your values. The reason I mentioned uh, in line with your values, because that's a, a big thing. I've talked to a number of different really uh, successful brands. And what they say is that they are really choosy about who's promoting their brand. They don't want, they want someone um, that's representing their brand that really kind of has their same value. So for instance, an example would be if your brand creates, uh, you know, a consumable product, maybe it's a, a food item. Um, people these days are very conscious about environmental issues, uh, such as, 
sustainability as far as packaging is concerned, um, you know, how the, what goes into the creation of these products, uh, you know, um, was it done in a, you know, a green facility, all these types of things. And so when you're thinking about all of that, you would want to be in line with an affiliate, you know, that is of that same mindset, because obviously they, they're going to have a following of people that have that same type of mindset that are really kind of in line with who you think your, your ideal customer is. And so, you know, I, I would say identify that. And then from there, you'll be able to, you know, do your own kind of groundwork, um, you know, grassroots research and, you know, with the social networks, uh, very easy. It takes time, but you can do searches on people uh, that are doing posts. You can do searches on hashtags and try to uh, identify uh, affiliates and influencers and people that maybe they're promoting another brand that's similar to yours. And, you know, you can approach them to promote your brand as well. Yeah. I mean, I suppose uh, just top of mind, is, uh, I think um, websites that promote or quite heavily promote like gambling, uh, maybe CBD products, things like that. Those are the ones that are clearly going to be, you know, if you're, if you're trying to be a, know, if you're an environmentally friendly e-commerce, like a you know, fashion brand or something, you know, not saying the people who follow those, uh, you know, are into gambling and CBD are not those customers, but it might not be the place that you want to be promoting. Um, you know, I, I suppose you, know, you get it a lot with brand ambassadors, don't you? You know, and the reason a lot of brand ambassadors lose, well, actually, that's, that's just general bad behavior, but yeah, brand ambassadors is, you know, people pick them, don't they? They pick the people who are known for having certain values or being a certain way and they will work with them. You know, I, I imagine there are loads of celebrities out there with millions and millions of followers, but certain brands would never touch them because they know that their, their style and their, 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 just their behavior, while might not be bad, you know, people might not care that much, you know, what they do in public and right. stuff, but it's just that the language they use and things, that brand's going to go, that's, that's not us, you know. Um, it, it wouldn't make sense for that person. You know, if, if we put them on a TV advert, would, would people immediately think, oh yeah, you're going to be associated with this brand or, or is it just going to sound ridiculous? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, these, uh, these days, the brands, I think, are a lot more cautious as to who they're aligning themselves with uh, be just because with these, all of these different channels and, and you know, it, it's good and bad. People have the ability to, blast out a message really to the world and anyone that is in there kind of following. Um, but at the same time, you know, you know, you, you got to make sure that you, you've vetted these individuals. Cause like you said, that, you know, maybe they're not a bad person or anything like that, but maybe certain things that they're saying or that they get behind are not really in line with your particular brand. So, you know, you, you, you have to do your due diligence and, and vet people. Um, yeah. but, um, you know, I, you know, it, it all comes down to just, uh, you know, going with it and then laying out a particular uh, guideline and framework for, um, you know, these affiliates and influencers. And that, that can come with creating an agreement, uh, terms of service. What things do you allow when it comes to posting to represent your brand? What things don't you allow? I think you have to be not only do you have to be uh, clear as to 
who you're identifying. But once you've identified these people, you have to be upfront with them as far as, you know, what are the really overall rules of engagement, so to speak? And um, what can they do? What types of graphic media can they um, use? All of that it has to be clearly defined because, you know, otherwise, you know, you could look up and uh, <laughs> it could come back to bite you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned that because I, I was having a chat about influencer marketing uh, on the podcast uh, quite a while ago, actually now. Um, and they were saying that one of the mistakes brands tend to make is actually being too prescriptive and too too restrictive with what the influencer is allowed to do. And therefore, you can tell that it's a brand, brand promotion, right? I see, and, it, I see. and it doesn't come across as the influencer saying, right. all right, I, I know I'm saying this is a paid thing, but I really like this product. It's really cool. You can do this, blah, blah, blah. And instead you've got an, an image or something that just does not fit in with their profile. Yeah. So I, I think, yeah, yeah you, you need to have those strict guidelines, you know, things like, all right, do not show our product alongside, you know, it might be alcohol, tobacco, uh, or, or near, you know, near a pub, something like that, you know, those sort of things, but maybe not being so prescriptive with, you know, if you do want to take pictures, take video, go for it. Just make sure those things are, are, are accounted for. But create like kind of creative style. Yeah, I style. Just go for it. Yeah, that's a very good point. It, so it really is kind of a fine line between laying out some guidelines for these affiliates, but yet don't have too many strict guidelines where you know they're just so restrictive to what they can do. It comes across as just as a straight promotion, a straight ad, and it doesn't seem authentic or genuine. So that's. Um, yeah, it, it's difficult these days. And I think, um, you know, the trouble that brands have these days is this whole, uh, quote unquote, cancel culture, because, you know, brands these days are, are really quick with disassociating themselves with someone just because of something that they've said or posted, um, because, you know, the vir virality of certain things can spread so quickly these days. Brands know that, um, you know, if they associate their, some themselves with somebody and they say the wrong thing, that could really affect them. So, you know, you, you, you got to be careful. You got to give people freedom to kind of express themselves, promote how they want to. But at the same time, you know, it's, it is a fine line with, you know, what you want to tell them that they can and cannot say. Yeah, definitely. Um, what, are, what are some other mistakes uh, you think brands can make? Uh, great. That's a great question. Uh, another common mistake that I see is that when you're creating an affiliate program, thinking that there's a uh, kind of one size fits all for all of your affiliates. And what I mean by that is creating an incentive structure where it's just saying you're just uh, flat out saying, OK, if you sign up for the affiliate program, every affiliate is going to be earning, let's say, 20, 30% commission, that's it. And, and then keeping that the same across the board. I think as a brand maybe starts off and just initially launches an affiliate program, it may be fine to just have a, you know, a straight blanket commission across the board for anybody that signs up. But as you get more mature, you get more brands, excuse me, you get more affiliates promoting your brand. I think what you need to do is more personalize the relationship that you have with certain affiliates and figure out, all right, this particular affiliate, uh, you know, he has a following of 
20 million followers on Instagram. He's uh, heavily active on TikTok. So, you know, there's no way we can just keep him in that same level of the 20, 30%. We've got to, in order really to entice him, we've got to come up with something more personalized. And so I think you, it comes into once you're approaching them, um, you, you want to sell it like, um, all right, they're, they're not going to just be fitting into this hole where that, that's all they're going to make. You're going to, you know, really look at what they have to offer and then come up with a fair commission based on the exposure that they're going to give you. Uh, so I think that's yeah. something you definitely want to consider. I, I've seen scaled, uh, scaled commission structures work um, quite well. Um, what I think maybe is kind of the opposite of what you're suggesting, really, that I, but I see it a lot, is kind of tiered structures, but it's tiered around what the brand wants, not what would be helpful to affiliates and maybe not what the customers want. So, and I I know, I know there are margins and things involved, but, um, and I know another common one is a new customer versus existing customer, right? If you drive a new customer, you get, you get a better commission. Fine. Um, but yes, when it's stuff come stuff, uh, like category A, we're commissioning at 10%, category B is 5%, category C is 1%. And you, you're kind of saying, if you're an affiliate that focuses on category C, we don't think you're that valuable. Um, but if you're, a, if you're an affiliate that, promote, that is, can promote all three, why would you promote category one? Yeah, good point. Right? Um, yeah. You know, if you, if you want those brands to, you know, it's, it's different with like voucher brands because they just stick the voucher codes on the website, stick a bunch of deals on there. If you end up going to buy category three, don't care, they get paid. If you buy category one, great. Um, but for those who maybe are themed, you know, have, have their niches and stuff, uh, you're not giving them any incentive to create content around those lower tier uh, products because why are they going to spend hours building content for that when they could put time into one that's got 10% commission? Um, so I, I, I do see that a lot. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I mentioned I've seen tiered. So yeah, if you, uh, the first hundred thousands at 3%, anything up to 250 is at 5%, that sort of thing. But have you got examples of where maybe it's a bit more personalized, like to the actual? Yeah, the, the tiered is, 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 is good as far as from the brand's point of view. Uh, having the commission adjust when people hit different levels is something that's pretty common. I see a lot of brands that do that because, you know, it, it is kind of easy for the affiliates to see, okay, where they're at, what they can actually achieve if they start, you know, promoting more, if they start referring more, how, what that can increase to. And that can definitely motivate affiliates. And so, yeah, I see that a lot. It's definitely nothing wrong with that tiered structure. That's definitely something that I I recommend. Um, But as far as on the personalization side, um, I think what brands can do is really um, almost have, you could do the tiered system, but I think you could, what you may need to do, depending on the type of affiliates that you're going after, is you may have to have two or, you know, multiple structures uh, because, you know, there are, of course, there's going to be people uh, affiliates that are going to bring more to the table, have more followers, going to give you more brand exposure, all of that. And so they need to be in kind of a whole separate category. Um, whereas, you know, you could have some other affiliates that, you know, maybe they're 
these affiliates are just are bloggers, for instance, and they have different, you know, niche blogs, you know, they do okay as far as the traffic that they're getting and the people that they may be sending towards your brand, but they're nowhere near on the level of, let's say your, you know, your affiliate influencer category of people that are, you know, have millions, tens of millions of, of followers. And so I think you, you want to think in those lines of, of really categorizing your, your program and then, you know, you know, speaking to people a little bit more on an individual level um, and, and, you know, figuring out, okay, what are some of the things that the higher profile influencer uh, affiliates are going to need from, uh, from us as far as, uh, you know, maybe it's promotional material, maybe it's message, messaging information, what do they need versus uh, the, the category of people that you have that are maybe just bloggers, uh, you know, that just write niche articles about your particular industry, you know, because there's, there's two different camps there and their needs are totally different. So I think you want to look at those lines and, you know, as your program grows, start to structure it accordingly. So you're kind of suggesting it, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, different commission structures. So you could have the, maybe that one tiered commission structure based on on how much you earn, uh, how much you, you drive. Yep. But when you get to those top tier affiliates, you almost uh, give them a bit of account management, right? You, yeah, exactly. You work, uh, they become more like partners, right? You work with them Correct. on campaigns. Um, you, you find out what they need. Uh, yeah. what, what can the business do to support them in order to make them a more successful uh, affiliate rather than, rather than just saying, you drive the traffic you love money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you, you definitely nailed it there because you got to think about these higher profile affiliates and influencers. You know, they're not only promoting your brand, they're promoting multiple brands. There's multiple brands are reaching out to them and they're, they're super busy. Um, you know, they spend a lot of time online doing things, recording videos, posting and just managing all of that. So they are super busy. And so whatever you can do, to make their job easier is really going to, you know, send a, put a smile on their face because they know that, okay, this particular company has gone out of their way. They've given me account manager. Um, if I need a certain creative uh, media or material, I can reach out to this person. They're responsive. And then, you know, that goes a long way. They're going to be more apt to promote you over the next brand if you, if you start, you know, treating them like that more of a, as a partner, as you mentioned. Yeah, exactly. And like you mentioned at the start, right? If you're if you're targeting the right people, if you're finding the, the correct affiliates and influencers, they are likely to they're, they're probably quite likely to like your brand and like your products, and therefore, yeah, they're not just promoting the brand; they're they're, they're part of the brand. They become part yeah, of the exactly. brand. They should be getting excited about it. Um, it's not yeah. just driving traffic to a website and, and earning some money. It's being part of those campaigns and, and things. Um, cool. So where, where do you see, do you, are there any trends going on in affiliate marketing? Like, I mean, apart from maybe moving towards affiliate uh, uh, influencers a bit more, do you think anything's anything's going to change in the next six to 12 months? Anything people should be aware of? Uh, yeah, definitely. One of the things that's that's coming down the pike, uh, it's, uh, it, was been it has been delayed by about a year or so. And or uh, a lot of people kind of in the affiliate space are kind of on pins and needles. And, and, and what that is, is the major browsers are going away from the cookie tracking, the third party cookie tracking. 
Um, you know, there's already been some things done on Google with Google Chrome as well as Safari to kind of uh, limit that. But then we're going to reach a point where they've already announced that um, there no there will no longer support third party cookie tracking across like it's going to be across most of the browsers, I think, because, you know, once one does it, they all have to do it. Yeah. And so, yeah. So one of the things I think you have to be mindful of, uh, I guess, from both perspectives, if you're a brand and you're using technology, you want to make sure that they are um, they're up to speed on this and they're going to be able to accommodate a kind of a cookieless world a cookie tracking world. And, you know, from our perspective, me being on the affiliate software side of things, that's definitely something we've got our eye on. Our development team has already has a pretty much a strategy for uh, for how this can work. And we're already uh, actually have used this in certain cases. Uh, so it's definitely doable. It's just the platform that you're using uh, has to have this uh, thought out and be prepared to be able to shift whenever this happens. Um, so that's one thing to keep in mind. If you are a brand, you're looking to utilize the software, you want to make sure they have a plan uh, for adjusting and being able to still track in a kind of a cookie-less world. Uh, so that's one thing. And then also from the perspective of a, an affiliate. Yep. Sorry, uh, sorry just on that. Um, sure. Do we, do we have a date for that yet? Because I know it got delayed, didn't it? Google pushed it back a little bit. Yeah, it did get delayed. I don't I don't know if there's a hard date. The last that I heard was it was pushed by about a year off. Um, but I don't I don't know any hard dates. It's just really hard to tell. Um Yeah, so maybe maybe towards the end of next year. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. You know, it's um it's a lot going on in our world these days right now. Yeah. So like, I don't know. That that's probably why it had been delayed. Um and you know, especially because there's been s- such a huge influx of e-commerce <laughs> online sales and traffic these days because of the the pandemics uh, all over and um you know that's uh, you know i think they're they're kind of waiting to figure out our right, what when is the best time to make this kind of this this major switch yeah yeah cool i mean sorry you were you were about to uh, mention the second thing yeah what i was going to say is um you know from the perspective of an affiliate where that whole change comes into play is uh, you definitely, if you're an affiliate and you're looking to identify brands to, to be able to promote, you, you want to, you know, ask them, you know, all right, what technologies are you guys using as far as tracking? Are the tracking links that I get, um, is it going to work in a cookie world? If not, um, does the system that you use have a plan for that? Am I going to be able to easily, seamlessly, you know, continue promoting the same way I do? So, you know, as an affiliate, they they also have to be mindful of this as well because it could definitely yeah. affect them. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I suppose as a brand, if if you don't make sure you're up to date, you're going to lose all those good affiliates who uh, they don't know. Well, you're not going to be able to report on sales to them, so they're not going to. Exactly. Why would they promote your product if they if they can't track sales? Yeah, it's a it's a really good point. Um, cool. So just before we end. Is there anyone in the, the kind of D2C marketing world that uh, you would love to take for lunch? Great question. Um, I guess the person I'm thinking about, um, he's, he probably exists in a lot of worlds, not necessarily just in the D2C uh, marketing world, but he's, I guess you could say, uh, a person that's really uh, considered a true expert in digital marketing across all platforms would be uh, Neil Patel. Um, he is uh, a major 
a digital marketer um, here in the U.S. And then, and, then, and then globally, he's done a lot of work. He's actually been on our podcast, e-commerce marketing podcast, a few months back. And um, we had a great conversation with him about link building and the significance and importance of link building and whether or not the importance of link building is going to go away. So it was an interesting conversation via the podcast. But I would love to actually sit down with him, uh, have lunch, and uh, really pick his brain a little bit more about you know, where he thinks kind of everything is is going um, as far as, you know, digital marketing, uh, Google, all of these things, because I'm, I'm sure, you know, at his level, he has some insight or at least has contacts uh, with people that, uh, you know, are the nuts and bolts of the creation of a lot of these, these search tools and, and uh, search engines. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, if you if you're doing research into any aspect of marketing, it's highly likely his website's going to pop up on on Google, which is yeah, some sort of a, a guide or an article. Yeah, yeah, good, uh, exactly, good, exactly. good choice. Um, and so, just Thanks. finally, um, is there a marketing tool that you can't do without, or a, a, maybe not a marketing tool, but a, a tool you use uh, in your in your job in work work wise that you uh, that you love? Uh, well, it was a couple of tools. <laughs> Uh, I would say if we kind of keep it in the marketing tool world, I know um, one of the things that I've used to do a lot of analysis when I'm looking to form, you know, relationships, like I said, I'm more on the business development partner relationship side. And whenever I'm kind of analyzing partners and potential partners, um, I use and we use a, as a team here um, is Ahrefs, uh, which is the SEO tool uh, that will allow you to get a, a ton of, of data search uh, data about search engines, about sites, keywords, you name it. Um, that's my go-to tool with regards to marketing and helping um, us make informed decisions about the relationships that we're making. So that's the go-to tool. I'll give you one more yeah. bonus tool um, that I use definitely on a, on a, on a day-to-day basis uh, would definitely be Slack for sure. As far as the messaging, uh, Slack is a messaging tool for those listeners aren't familiar with it, which will allow any size team really to be able to communicate effectively and easily via chat. Uh, they actually have a phone component as well and video. You know, with your team, you can create separate channels. So if you have a team comprised of maybe, you know, three or four departments or more than that, you can give each department their own channel and then everybody can subscribe to that and they can communicate with it. It's um, I don't know what we would do without it. Tell you the truth, it's something that I think our team lives and dies by. I have um, uh, mixed feelings about Slack. I do love it, but at the okay. same time, I feel like it can be a bit of a drain on time. It's very easy to get sucked into conversations there um, when you're thinking, right? Actually, we should be putting this in an email or on Trello. Let's make it like an action, a task, and 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 I think things get lost there a little bit times but um but no i i, I do like it I, I i use it a lot i've got um i use it for a few networking groups as well so not just not just work wise but actually um opportunities to just connect with other people so yeah good choice well um yeah thanks, thanks for lot. thanks for joining me this has been been really great really interesting stuff um if people want to find out more or, or get in touch with you what's the, what's the best way of doing that Oh, no problem. And th- thank you, Will, for, for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate the opportunity and, and to be able to connect with your listeners. Uh, but if anyone wants to connect with me um, outside of uh, the podcast or anything, they can, a couple ways is, of course, as I mentioned, I'm a, one of the co-founders of OSI Affiliate Software. If they want to check out our 
affiliate software tool. Uh, easy URL to get to to get to our site is just getosi.com. That's just getosi.com. They can pull up our site from there. Um, and if they'd like to get in touch with me personally and see everything that I've got going on, they can go to my website, arlenrobinson.com, and uh, you'll have access to all of my social uh, media handles and then all of the different podcast appearances that I've actually been on. And pretty much everything that I've involved in, is you can find it on, on that website. So that would be the best way if you're looking to, to reach me directly. Awesome. All right. Great stuff, Adam. Thank you. No problem. Thank you, Will. It's been a pleasure. It may be tempting to invite every affiliate you can to your program to build out your reaches and potential as quickly as possible, but there are some downsides to that. Some affiliates just aren't that great at following guidelines, let's be honest. They'll join the program, but they don't bother to follow design guidelines, placements, uh, messaging, you know, things like that. Maybe even some rules around uh, what voucher codes they can use, uh, whether they can use PPC and things. But then there are some good affiliates who just don't match your brand identity and values. They may well have a good audience and, and drive some sales for you, but you might actually be doing more harm than good by having them associated with your brand. If you're a vegan food brand, for example, it wouldn't make sense to link up with an affiliate who runs a Meat Master barbecue YouTube channel. Some of his audience may well be willing to buy from you, but it's likely your core audience will find it quite off-putting. As Arlen mentioned, you do need to be aware of the upcoming changes around cookies. They most likely are disappearing, so you need to be ready. Not only is that you know who is driving which sales, but it's likely your affiliates will want that tracking in place as well. If you'd like to learn more about affiliate marketing and the cookie changes, reach out to Arlen on LinkedIn or head over to osiaffiliate.com. If you'd like to chat with me about the podcast, you can find me on Twitter at Will Lawrenson. In my next episode, I'll be joined by Gen Furukawa to talk about how you can build better customer journeys using on-site quizzes. But until then, keep those customers clicking. Mm-hmm.